to Big Red Couch, the podcast about making role-playing games. A group of GMs and players draw ideas from the mystery box and bring their game pitches to you. Good morning, or evening, listener, and welcome to episode 146 of The Big Red Couch. Here in unusually warm England, I am Craig, and on the other side of the world, where ice in solid form is still capable of existing... It's Ben. I think unusual is frozen here. It's just a bit nippy. Okay. Whereas this is distinctly not mentioned on the brochure weather in England... I feel. Like nothing Nothing in my childhood prepared me for the notion of, it's England, it'll be hot. That never came up. <laughs> Rain did. Ice skating on the Thames did. But mm, not a heatwave. Ah, uh, well. So, our, our prompt for today comes to us, I believe, from John, and reads, Tis a pity she's the queen. And we've had some feedback, and I presume some ideas from the actual co-hosts indeed um yes we have ideas from from various couchetiers both for this episode and for one from quite a long time ago episode 113 never go full force on an eclair son i didn't think we'd even have that referenced again i was a little surprised when it happened at the time <laughs> yeah you, you were surprised to be referencing it while we were recording to a degree yes <laughs> fair enough so, yes, we, we have actual content from people who aren't us. Um, I'm sure the audience is breathing a collective sigh of relief at this point. So, shall we um, set that bar nice and low and uh, lead in with our personal contributions first? Oh, why not? Do you, do you, want, do you, want, to, do you want to go first on this one? Do you, do you have an idea? Well, strictly speaking, I stole this one off my wife, but I thought it was so good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I decided to stick with it. And it's pretty simple, and it really doesn't change a great deal about a lot of games, unless you want to take it to its extreme. So, yeah. Isn't that more or less what we do? Yeah, actually, you're right. Yeah, no, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, sit back and I'll spin you a tale. I am reclining. At some point in your party's storied career, as you have adventured to the great ranks of people who don't fear kobolds and uh, goblins and so forth as, as deadly mortal threats. You've, you know, had many accomplishments and, and people have acclaimed your, your bravery and your skills. To the extent that one of your party ends up marrying into royalty. And now their life is terrible. They don't get to go out adventuring with their friends and now you have to make extremely convoluted plans to escape to do the most simple things. Okay. I mean, I'm going to I'm going to be a terrible person here, but you already knew that. This is controlling girlfriend slash boyfriend, the RPG. Well, it, it's more like say imposed social structure and cultural norms, the RPG. Uh, oh God, I have responsibilities now, the RPG. Yes, un- un- unanticipated responsibilities. That would be yes the. Uh, I'm like I'm writing that one down. Hang on, sorry. Please go on. Yeah, the, the it's a pretty simple idea. Your your party, you know, and maybe you just you, you don't have to set this up so it happens organically. You can play forward from the idea that your doughty band of adventurers 
one of the members, possibly like the a pivotal pivotal role in the party, has got other obligations. It's currently technically ruling a country which takes up way more time than they anticipated. <laughs> Somehow. Somehow, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't yeah, don't we have advisors for this sort of thing? Also, it becomes, you know, diplomatically awkward when, you know, you're um trying to sort of like like get the ambas- the ambassador to, to meet with your monarch and they're either in the tavern drinking uproariously or covered in I don't know, etten blood or something. Sorn <laughs> <laughs> entrails. And it's all it's all just a bit complex at this point. It, you know, there's also, you know, an accepted level of risk when it comes to uh, dungeoneering. And maybe that's over what is normally recommended for, say, one of your um, heads of state. True. I think people generally prefer heads of state to die in sort of old age, childbirth or assassination, not eaten by a rust monster. So that would be a good trick. Yeah. Okay. I'm liking that. That's quite fun. That's... As you say, yeah, you can drop that... I mean, certainly you can drop that into almost any high-level fantasy game. Mm. With a little bit of massaging, you could probably drop it into a lot of other genres. But that one... Yes, it's, it's less the... It is regrettable that this person is the monarch. It's like, this person is regretting... Or, you know, the, the, the folks that, that were former compatriots are going, yeah, that's, it's pity she's the queen now, because we could really use, you know, her help on this particular thing. I know, we'll sneak, we'll sneak her out. And this is now putting me in mind of the start of almost episode, every episode of the A-Team, where I'm probably showing my age here. Okay, should I explain the A-Team? I'd be fascinated to hear you try. Fair enough. Okay, the shtick for the A-Team was a group of very highly skilled soldiers going out and doing really good stuff. However, they're all on the run for a bunch of crimes that we were, we are told in the opening blurb that they did not commit, so that's fine. <laughs> but their pilot is in a mental institution. And so pretty much every episode starts with them breaking Murdoch out of the mental institution. I... <laughs> I'd be, I'd be slightly confused if that was actually the case. Are you sure you're not just remembering that happening, or is it sort of an evolving door facility, as it were? Um, I'm pretty sure that happened. See, I'm now googling it because I'm a nerd with an internet connection and a laptop sitting right in front of me. Um, wow, this is a really Thorough. Yeah, this is an inconveniently thorough uh, Wikipedia article, but we have. HM Howling Mad Murdoch is the 18's pilot and can fly any kinds of aircraft with considerable skill. However, due to a helicopter crash in Vietnam, Murdoch apparently went insane. Not sure how that tracks, but never mind. Yes, the 80's idea of mental health representation was... Not great. Um, Yeah. Uh, he lives in a veteran's hospital in the mental wing. When the rest of the team requires a pilot, they have to break him out of the hospital, uh, generally using their, their, their face man, who was called face man, whatever, to do so. Yeah. I okay. do remember a few episodes where, where uh, the character got broken out, and one where underneath 
it turns out he has a secret tunnel underneath his bed with a trapdoor with that yellow and black caution tape around it and a sign saying, please dust around the secret trapdoor, which I just liked for the, um, the sheer lunacy of the thing. Indeed, indeed. Uh, so anyway, yeah, so I'm, I'm quite liking the idea of a, an adventuring party whose first goal is, okay, so we need to break the queen out of the castle. Depending on the focus of the game, that yes, it may inevitably become a roped part of the story. Mm. I mean, like you, as apparently they did in the later episodes of the A-Team, they go full Hogan's heroes and... Everything is a, is a trapdoor or a, a secret periscope or just immediately available to the uh, the nominal protagonists because explaining it all again would be tiresome. Yeah. I am liking the, the, the Hogan's Heroes approach as well. You've got this <laughs> ridiculously insecure castle with just a baffling number of secret passages and doors and panels because... Presumably, even if one is the queen, there are going to be forces at work sort of stopping you from keeping your stash of adventuring gear with easy access. And so I'm guessing it's hidden around the place. Maybe, maybe. That that might be kept somewhere outside of the castle and the queen only has to um, affect an exit. But still, also the idea that this has like ramifications down the line where there's sort of, oh no, someone else has found about the, the secret tunnel network. It's very inconvenient that they're assassins, kind of thing. Yeah. Maybe we should have told the king about this. Oh, well, too late now. <laughs> this is, yeah, well, yes, this is a good time. Not really. That or the, if, if the queen in question goes on to have offspring and they just grow up knowing about the, the secret trapdoors and so forth and it becomes their own ludicrous personal um, sort of highway around the castle. Which could be interesting in its own right. You could do one hell of a die-hard rip-off episode of the castle is is, is surrounded. The, the enemies of the realm have, uh, have, have gotten in. But they don't really know who the queen used to be and they don't know about any of the secret trapdoors and everything. You'd have some fun with that one. Yes, if they kept the, um, the, the, whole, the full story that well-concealed. Or they've cre- they've created an alter ego for the uh, um, for the adventuring purposes, but yes, the uh, yes when the queen has a higher body count than the entire army put together, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the villains sort of go, aha, yes. Now that you're locked in here with us, the entire kingdom is at our mercy. It's like mm, not really how I'm <laughs> seeing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sort of. Like, Didn't I used to have more henchmen and a hand? Wait, what? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the that, that, that could be definitely expanding it to various sort of circumstances. Down, I mean, as a as a wheeze, having the the fighter in the party actually being a reigning monarch, but for some reason, if they acknowledge that they're still adventuring, they'll either have to promise sincerely and actually stop adventuring, or have to affect they have to, they would only be able to do it in some sort of dire extremity where they're uh, they would be sacrificing their well maybe it's maybe for them it's self care very few other people but maybe for them it's what they need to actually function as a a ruler so every so often when the stresses of being a ruler are too much they like to 
go and get their old adventuring gear, put the team back together and go kick the shit out of some despot somewhere, just for old time's sake. Indeed, indeed. Maybe they even affect some um, positive social or uh, change or military objective as they do so. It's not just therapy, but it is, you know, it's it's the main reason. Yeah. I I am liking the idea of the uh, the, the, the reigning monarch saying, the the dread necromancer has been a thorn in our side for too long. Now we must form a group to go out and destroy them. I know just the people, and sort of in the background, one of the the, the you know the, the vizier sort of shrugs and hands over a coin to to one of the guards because they had a bet going as to how long it was going to take. Called it, yeah, fair enough. I could give up adventuring any time I want. <laughs> as you say, ma'am. As you say. Yes, that would be uh, well, at least interesting. It's a bit of a wrinkle to add to a uh, game, otherwise. I'm liking the idea of sort of one of the guard rooms, just having a little flipboard of you know, number of uh, yeah, number of weeks since the monarch has done uh, has done a runner and has come back with uh, <laughs> inexplicable injuries and the head of something we don't recognise. <laughs> Sigh, click. That's pretty cool. I like that. <laughs> and also put put me in mind of a. Somewhat tangentially, but put me in mind of something I saw shared on Facebook just today with the um, person stating that why, uh, you know, sort of the fantasy characters, you know, who are half orcs or have these grim, these grim backstories and so forth. It's like, why can't their, um, why can't their parents be perfectly well adjusted and make sure, make sure that they always go to the dungeons with a packed lunch, etc. And sometimes <laughs> illustrated a very charming comic. On that basis. Nice. Yes. So we'll see if I can track down the the, the origin of that, but I enjoyed that little... Um... The, the, the only child of a, a a charming and well-adjusted, literally, interracial couple. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, that just starts writing itself. I certainly think there is... It would be, it would be pretty entertaining to sort of have the kids of adventurers or... You know, they're brought up hearing these tales of bold adventures and what they're actually your square doofy parents or something. Hmm. I'm wondering how you... Be in, in, interesting to get a game out of that one. I mean, if you were going for pure comedy, you could just do a bit of a rework of, of something like Teenagers from Outer Space. Because that did have the whole thing of your parents are the ultimate squares. Like sort of 50s... Yeah, every 50s stereotype of incredibly socially conservative parent out there was was kind of the uh, the shtick. I'm not sure what exactly the fantasy equivalent of that is, but it is presumably something along the lines of, no, you're not going to um, going adventuring. We've gotten you an apprenticeship with the Weaver's Guild. It's a nice, <laughs> safe profession. As the sort of glowing magical armor hovers on a plinth in the hallway, this kind of thing. Yes, it's like... It's not fair. You hunted dragons when you were you were younger. Well, well you can't do that. The dragons are extinct now. He said, "Yes, because you hunted Fucking them all." Is that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that could be interesting. Hmm, that would be quite fun. Did you see the film with was it the the the, the disgusting feral unicorns and so forth? Uh, onward. Onward. That's right. I didn't actually get around to seeing that one. I did. Running a you know a, a p- 
post-fantasy suburban thing like that would be a bit interesting. It's not a bad film. There are references and jokes in there to and about gamer nerds, which hit very close to home because I know and possibly am some of those people. Uh, It's not... Yeah, I I couldn't even sit there and say, this is blatantly unrealistic, because no, it's not. (laughs) It's really, really not. There are people like that. I am possibly one of them in some cases, but there are people like that. It's worth a look. Any specifics, or you just say, look out, you might find yourself feeling extremely called out. (laughs) Slightly called out. Um, I'm in this photo, and I don't like it. I'm trying to think of specifics that aren't also movie spoilers. Fair enough. And that's not quite happening. You'll know it when you see it. It'll be really obvious. Um, Okay, cool. So... Yep, that's my my general idea. The, uh, the the notion that you can possibly pep up your high level world breaker fantasy game just by complicating the characters' personal lives to the extent that they're going, or you know, say, congratulations, you have been, you know, you are so well regarded and 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 considered such a hero. We're going to give you this great honor. <laughs> Also, could you please write the? Could you um, please sign this waiver? <laughs> <laughs> Liking it. So, how did how did you fare? Um, well, I came up with an idea that is based on what turns out to be a a significant misremembering of some of the backstory of the Disney Three Musketeers film. That's mm-hmm. the Kiefer Sutherland, uh, Tim Curry, Charlie Sheen one. Mm-hmm. And as, yes, it was only after I sort of figured it out and written it down that I realized, oh, okay, there is not even subtle political allegory in here. It's just sitting there right on the surface, thinking up the place. So so I just wanted to throw that one out there on the grounds of, that's not where I started from, it's just where I ended up. Are you accusing a Disney film of having political allegory, or did you accidentally find it? I, 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 I put it in my idea. Um, okay. yeah, my idea has, has uh, unintended, but it's 100% there, political allegory. So what I figure I'll do is I'll, I'll start with the idea and then sort of jump backwards to how you get there. But the notion is this. You've got a, you've got a kingdom. You've got a king and a queen. They're relatively young, so probably still teenagers. They're, they're Golly. relatively recently on the throne. So, mm-hmm. similar setup to the, the Three Musketeers film. Right. It, it can happen, especially if yep. it's uh, vaguely realistic. Um... <laughs> Historical set. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Disease is a bad few folks setting. Yep. The, yeah, their, their reign is still in its infancy. Neither side, as it were, particularly trust each other. And so each of them has their own personal guard, which is the bit I misremembered from the um, the Three Musketeers film. I thought they, for some reason, I had the idea that the Musketeers were specifically the Queen's guard, but they were the Royal guard. So whatever. In this case, they've got two sort of Royal guards, two, two units. There is a crisis. There's some sort of crisis going on. It's a big one. And the king is just useless. At mm-hmm. best, he's kind of this entitled, self-centered, spoiled wastrel. At worst, he's just 
you know, actively, actively corrupt and, yeah, actively corrupt and the sort of um, monarch that people have uh, revolutions to, uh, to get rid of, that kind of thing. Some, somewhere in that, uh, that realm. The queen, on the other hand, is actually a reasonably decent monarch. But, well, it's a pity she's the queen because she has almost no power in the situation. And so you've got this crisis there. The king's fucking it up. You can kind of see where the political allegory is coming in at this point, can't you? There's multiple countries we can point out for this one. And so in some sort of guard room somewhere, members of the queen's guard, or possibly the king's guard, or possibly a bit of both, are sort of in their cups, drinking, bemoaning the situation, and somebody makes the comment of, yeah, they're sort of noting the fact that actually the queen would probably be handling this a lot better and somebody makes a comment of uh, it's a pity she's the queen and then there's this look that goes around the room as the idea of what if starts to hit and so yeah the way I figure that you get to that situation bouncing back down the chain a bit is that you know, probably a decade or so earlier you have you have a, a, a sort of line of succession problem. You've got two roughly equal claimants to the throne. And usually the way that you solve this is with a civil war uh, or, or, or something similar. As kind of a, a last-ditch Hail Mary solution, somebody suggests, okay, what about some kind of political marriage? We, you know, the, these two claimants basically agree to marry their children, who are now currently at like four or five years old, the claimants kind of run as re- run the place as regents until the the children get old enough. They will produce an heir. This will sort the problem out. It's a it's a longer term solution, but it might work. Everybody's really hoping for that grandkid situation. Miraculously, the the plan actually works. It actually calms things down. There is this marriage of like a couple of four-year-olds who then probably just get shuffled off to their respective households. The various sort of nobles and courtiers having you know, do a fairly fairly quick pivot from trying to pick which side to back to oh brilliant we know who's going to be in charge now let's really suck up to the king. The queen is or queen to be is largely left alone, and then we eventually get to the point where the regents actually step down the. King and Queen sort of step up and running the country. Woohoo. And if we were in times of peace, the king probably would just be, well, he's a bit shit useless, but so be it. But things aren't going well. They actually need somebody who knows what they're doing, and that isn't the guy. Hmm. And so as far as the game goes, I'm this is one of the ones where I'm not a hundred on how you actually how you actually set the game up unless you do it as quite blatantly a okay you are playing members of the king the the king's guard or the queen's guard on both who are involved in a conspiracy to either sideline the king or just to flat out take him out of the picture so that a decent monarch ends up on the throne i'm not sure how you sell that one as is i'd say yeah yes it's like the the it's recognized and you know just from observation you have seen that one of the one of them is competent, one of them isn't. They aren't particularly attached to one another. It's just you know one of those arranged things, mm. and uh, things are about to get 
terribly difficult for everyone involved if this idiot keeps making things worse for everybody. Yeah, I mean, you could go with, uh, yeah, to complicate things, I would probably go with, you know, the Queen is not going to be on board with an assassination. Yeah, it sets a bad precedent. Indeed. The King's definitely not on board with an assassination. They, they, they spent a very long time trying to, uh, to, try to inculcate the whole um, divine right of kings and so forth, you know. It's like, otherwise, uh, people got ideas and then started carpentry and it all went downhill from there. <laughs> a little bit, yes. Yes, I mean, the Queen... Yes, the, the, the Queen's job is to effectively produce an heir and a spare and then just quietly go be a queen, you know, go, go be queen without actually causing a fuss. Hmm. You know, on the other hand, well, presumably whoever raised her knew that she was going to be going into an absolute pit, pit of vipers, and actually she's got a decent education. She's the right person for the job. She's just not in the job. It's possible that they'd like, they set up all of these advisors and military training and so forth, and she is the one who picked this up. Hmm. That would be fun. Yeah, so it's like, eh, well, we might as well teach her. She's going to be the monarch someday. It might be useful to know know these things, just as an off chance. It's like, and she's the one actually paying attention, so, ah well. I I, I am liking the idea of sort of the, the, the montage of of schooling scenes where you know they didn't they didn't 100% what the monarch and uh, you know the monarchs are sort of meet on their coronation day and sort of do the so hi I'm Dave oh hi I'm June um, kind of thing uh, yeah they wanted them to at least know each other so they had them educated uh, yeah educated on royal matters together only she was as you say she was the one who actually paid attention this other guy the yeah the king was too busy well effectively being corrupted by yeah being corrupted by power before it even had any well we, we've learned that there is corrupted by power and then there, there is the circumstances where people live in a completely different version of reality from everyone else that's accurate <laughs> wildly different expectations about what failure constitutes so hmm. somebody who lives in a a pampered consequence consequence free existence yeah, always fun. Hmm. Hypothetically, may not actually know how many children they have. And what worries me is, I can think of at least two current world leaders who fit that bill. Ah, well. And that's without any research. <laughs> wow, okay, that was horrifying. Uh, so yes, like, like I said, I sort of came up with the idea, took a look at it and thought, oh, okay, that's not even subtle. All right, cool, hmm? good to know. Uh, <laughs> I mean, people still being on board with monarchy as an idea, a concept in general, is, is a is a prerequisite. But you know, you can, you can probably swing that in a place where there are dragons and wizards. And mm. um, yes, the idea that they're going. Wait a minute, how do we get the competent one to um... <laughs> to take charge? Hmm. I mean, as yeah. far as system goes. I kind of have a hankering for um, using something like Castle Falkenstein, just because it's got the sword fighty mechanics. And I, I, I feel if you're going to do something like that, you need to have at least a couple of combats that are these sort of very theatrical, swashbuckly racing through the castle, sort of swords and banisters and swinging from chandeliers. Because, come on. Hmm. 
But that's just me. You know, I'm, I'm open to other suggestions. Largely because I, I got a copy and I haven't run it yet, the, the Sword of the Crown and the Unspeakable Power would be a good possibility for that. Okay, I, I haven't uh, read that one yet. Yes, it is sort of Russian folk, sort of a, a, a Slavic tradition folklore version of Apocalypse World. With huh. sort of, sort of this, inspired by the fantasy tales, more like Game of Thrones than, say, King Arthur and the Round Table. So there's <laughs> plenty of opportunities for swinging from chandeliers, but also for horrible skullduggery and um, people being drowned in privies. Yes, yes, I think they could we could arrange that. Okay, so I'm just imagining sort of you know, as queen, I could simply have him drowned in a privy. <laughs> okay. There was historical present for a mass privy drowning. Ew. Yeah, I expect... Not great. Apparently a floor collapsed at a important summit of um, bankers, possibly. I mean, that's a really bad place to keep your cesspit. Oh, I think they may have... It may have the, the cesspit might have been in, uh, in use at the time. I'm just imagining a floor collapse as a bunch of bankers sort of fall through into the privy. Somebody shouting, Occupied! Apparently there's such a thing as the Cincinnati Privy Disaster. Okay, it would be bad form to make that a prompt for the big red couch, but I kind of want to. Yes, yes it would. Also the Great Molasses Flood, because I know there was one of those. Oh, I think there were several. So, yes, that was... That was my idea with bonus political relevance. Sort of. Hmm. It, it depends how uh, overt you make it, of course, but I'm sure history has been filled with disappointing leaders and people who could uh, well take over. Folks who want to be the caliph instead of the caliph. Mm. Yes, I mean, presumably if you do decide to simply kill the king, you're risking that whole, well, okay, then uh, the civil war's back on again situation. So, yeah, quite quite how you deal with the situation is... Really up to the players. Indeed. Cool. Right. Yes, there was an, an audience suggestion for that idea, oddly, which was to take it in a slightly slightly different approach and have... This one This one comes from, from Alex, courtesy of a pub garden. <laughs> Don't give me that look. It was well ventilated. Minimal risk of coronavirus. The notion of rather than... To, killing off the king and the queen being none the wiser is instead being a situation depending on how you go you could possibly go with the, the, the sort of the fantasy Hogan's heroes approach that got mentioned for your idea of the queen is actually running things from behind the scenes the king has absolutely no idea of this and a chunk of the game is trying to manage things so that he doesn't figure it out because once he does, he's going to be pissed. Hmm. I'm not a hundred on what system you could use for that. I think something very narrative-y would probably fit. Hmm. And you probably want um, some sort of how much of a clue does the king have? Or real- realistically, the king and his retinue have meter. Yeah, there's a card game for the queen, but that's more of a... It tells of a journey where the the... The, pl- the players are characters escorting the queen somewhere, but they all have, well, they all have a reason why she should or shouldn't get where she's going. So, ah, it's a slightly, di- maybe a slightly different take on that. 
it's all it, this one's based on cards and randomizing the story that way another one which i'd really like to get a get my hands on at some point okay i did not i did not know that one but yeah that's that sounds interesting yeah hmm. rather than having the king being a colonel clink character and never knowing what's going on maybe the idea would be more that They've discovered that, you know, his, his, the, the uncle who he dotes on is actually trying to overthrow the kingdom, but the king will not believe that until, you know, you have cast iron evidence, like completely irrefutable information. So you're having to work around him until you have that clinch, that clinching evidence. Okay. So you, oh, okay. So that becomes, this is not a reference to the system. Just to be to be clear, that becomes kind of the, the the blades in the dark sort of thing. Of you're trying to counter the uncle. The uncle is presumably trying to counter whoever is trying to counter them, but doesn't know who it is. Because hmm. that seems like the sort of situation where you want to make sure he doesn't know who you are. Courtly submarine warfare. Nice. Yeah. Pol- politicking and backstabbing at the highest level, hmm. possibly literally. Nice. All right, shall we, shall we move on to John's idea? All right. John, fittingly enough, as it's his uh, suggestion, has written in with a, a notion. Setting the doughty town of Grove Didhampton on the Isle of Wight, where the mansion of Lord Solomon Chauncey, deceased, resides. Yes, deceased. Having died during the reign of Queen Elizabeth, Lord Solomon has not let the fact that he is dead stop from residing in his home. He's now a vampire, and lords over Grove Hampton with all the power of person thwarted by the Anglican Church and its flock, and the damnable Gaelic Festival. <laughs> Still, no one has taken his mansion from him. Yet. Yet. The locals built a canal system that completely encircles the lord's land, and made sure it was fed from a local river, running in water and vampires and all that. But after a few visitors to the land were found with their throats ripped open, the local parish priest made a deal with Lord Solomon. They will provide suitable food source for the Lord, a herd of sheep, and he will stay right where he is. He agreed and hired a family of werewolves to tend to the flock. Despite being a vampire, Lord Solomon's fairly forgiving and tolerant lord of the town. The setup lasted until the 1830s and 1840s, where various reforms and laws were passed that virtually stripped him of all sources of income. He just barely managed to hold on to the mansion and land by paying a death tax. But, like they say, death and taxes and all that. He now has to pay tax on his land as he is no longer considered a living noble. His flock of sheep produced plenty of wool, but not enough for, for him to make ends meet. The, the mutton goes to the family wolves. So, he formed a pageant of sorts, a pageant of the afterlife what we would call a haunted house these days, employing various ghouls, ghosts, whites, and other homeless undead. They would put on a show, tell fortunes, and even fetch the dearly departed for a touching reunion. That latter bit is their undoing. Mostly, they can fake these reunions for the large part, and no one realises they've been had. But in 1861, Prince Albert passes away, and the Empire goes into mourning. And then Her Majesty the Queen gets a word gets word of this odd collection of undead and their ability to contact the dearly departed, and commissions a command performance of the troop. So the player is the Lord Solomon and his ragtag group of ghosts and ghoulies, facing Queen Victoria and her formidable entourage. 
Can they pull this con off, or they, can they actually get hold of Prince Albert and convince him to at least stop by for a chat? If they succeed, who knows what benevolence the Ma- Her Majesty will shower them with. If they fail or are found out, Her Majesty will not be amused. It's perfect for a one-shot con game. It plays on the Victorian expression with the occult. And you laugh a minute as the hapless lord and his minions try to please the woman of Han- oh, the Hanovers. Remember, Solomon is a tutor. And do remember, they can't leave Lord Solomon's land, so the Queen will be coming to them. I hope they have sufficiently royal accommodations for her and her, and her entourage. Nice. That's a, that's a uh, meaty hanging consequence for, uh, <laughs> for not accomplishing your task in your um, allotted time at a con. <laughs> oh my, yes. Yes, my, my sort of take on that one was that, yeah, I mean, it's a fun idea. And I, I do like the idea of increasingly frantic research going on behind the scenes to both Albert and Victoria to try to stay ahead of the various conversations. Ideally, because if you're doing this with a con game and, and you've got the space to do it, there's a scene in the movie Brave where you've got the inspiring, yeah, Merida giving the inspiring speech with assistance in the form of terrible mime from a bear. I'm thinking that kind of thing, of sort of mm. the person pretending to contact um, Albert, basically trying to fill in the gaps based on terrible mime and sort of paper over the cracks uh, in, in what's being said. I, mean, I also like the notion of Victoria having her own retinue of occult types who are just as fraudulent, but much less undead. <laughs> Uh, who aren't going to be, yeah, who are, who are going to be trying to shoot holes in this. And also the, the notion of an inconveniently curious clerk who has looked into the history of Lord Solomon, assuming that his lordship is actually part of the show, on, on a whim, and is becoming increasingly concerned that they can't actually find any record of death for Lord Solomon. Yes, it depends whether it's a, uh, this is a slightly in the shadows version of Victorian England where you know, the, the, the occult is more directly dealt with. And that's not great for the players because I'm sure that if, if Queen Victoria says, yes, the, 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 the raise it to the ground and, and salt this, the earth with silver, that will happen. Yeah. Or they're going, all right, this is, this is a bit of a wheeze. We believe in the occult up to a level, but Hang about, this chappy doesn't have a reflection. Indeed. I, I prefer that option. So this sort of, you know, Lord, Lord Solomon has been, you know, as far as anybody's concerned in this pageant of the undead, you know, Lord Solomon is is part of the show. He's somebody pretending to be the guy ah, who right, used yep, to run yep. the place. And, um, and it's just when somebody gets a little bit curious and finds that they can't actually find any record of Lord Solomon having died, any record of any progeny, that was hundreds of years ago. Things are starting to look a little bit suspect. Yeah, the the, the 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 timekeeping appears to be a complete shambles. It's like, oh yes, Lord Solomon, you know, but e- even even best odds, this would have to be Lord Solomon the Seventh. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Maybe yes. you pass the name down, but we're not actually seeing. That's interesting. Normally, they they iterate on that, and and you know, yes, it's like. Yes, they're still going by Solomon, we see. Yeah. Hmm. Yes, I had thought about 
yeah, as a system, I mean, you'd want something that can cope with steadily increasing levels of chaos and panic. Uh, John suggested Fiasco. Because mm-hmm. it's got the, the whole sort of, as he puts it, it has just the right amount of insanity and digging a hole for oneself that would be perfect for this scenario. Yes. It, the consequences could be quite quite tragic for the um, the troop, that's for sure. But it could it could go a number of interesting ways. I mean, you can imagine at some at some point. I don't know whether this would work for Fiasco, but somebody saying, "Look, this convincing thing isn't working. We're all a bit screwed. We could just kill them and eat them." I'm just saying, we've got werewolves. It's <laughs> just like, yes, I'm just putting the option on the table. Yeah, the dinner table specifically, but yes. <laughs> just imagine, imagine this sort of the panicked late night meeting with Lord Solomon and the you know the, the various uh, undead and possibly a few of the locals who are sort of in on the um, in, 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 in on the shtick. It's like, okay, this is going badly. What do we do? There are no stupid ideas. No stupid ideas. Any suggestions? Like, could we just kill them and replace the queen? Like, okay, I was wrong. That's a stupid idea. Does anybody have an idea better than that? <laughs> yes, uh, and this is probably because of the. Um the a band of pirates movie but it does feel like a Ardman or Leica kind of production if you were going to think of it as a um a film oh yeah yeah slightly slightly um abstract anarchic kind of thing i'm liking that Hmm. so john also mentions that and my brain wandered down a side road, and I came up with an odd side story. During that time of the month where being a sheep on Lord Solomon's land is dangerous, a sheep gets bit, but escapes. He now, by the light of the moon, becomes either a sheep wolf or a sheep wear. The former is what it says on the tin, a sheep that turns into a really fluffy wolf. The latter is a sheep that turns into a human. And there's a note of where is derived from the old English were, meaning man. So not a wear sheep, but a sheep wear. John continues... I kind of prefer the latter, as you'd have this naked man or woman desperately trying to find some clothes that haven't been gnawed on by the sheepish selves, or by other sheep, and then going down to the pub in Grove Diddyhampton and having a pint with the boys. Oi, it's Sean! Taz then chimes in with, Sean is a nice lad, but a bit sheepish, and a note of running and ducking. Mac has responded with, that's bad. Um, and what it basically put me in mind of is, Ravenloft, the comedy edition, which I'm 100% on board for. Yes, that, that, that does put a spit on the thing that's like, the poor creature's been infected with lycanthropy, but for humans. Mm. Which is a terrible fate for anything. At the very least, they're going to have to figure out a completely different set of limbs, and that's not going to be fun. Mm. For anybody involved. Yeah, I... I like the madcap zany feel of that. The, the sort of the, the spiraling away towards comedic destruction hmm. kind of vibe. It would be something you'd want to play it as a farce, which is why Fiasco is clearly a, um, a good choice. But the idea is every time that they solve one problem, it, make, it causes two. Yes. And so it becomes more and more hectic and bizarre as they go. Yes, I, I suspect the solution to it is going to end up being something very weird, like sort of dressing up one of the ghouls as Albert and sending them away with the Queen for a bit, or or something. 
Or, as, as John suggested, just, okay, we'll do an actual seance. We will see if we can contact the actual ghost of Albert. That would be entertaining. They've tried everything. They have they have knocked on every tomb door. They've rattled every chain. They they're legitimately trying to find what what's going on. There's a lot of a lot of pressure, a lot of false starts. They're about to like give up or, or, or to try the most ridiculous thing, and then this 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 translucent figure staggers through the front door. It's like, oh, I've been you know I've been trying to get here for you know Windsor Castle or something, and it's like. It's like, oh, right. We probably should have given you a heads up. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. For, for a slightly different take on it, this one, I don't know whether it would still work with a comedic farce. It would be more of a, this is going to sound stupid, doing it as a somewhat comedic ghost story. It sounds more obvious than stupid, but go ahead. Let me, let me, let me explain. Let me, let me, let me unpack my stupid idea. Then you can call it stupid with the full knowledge of its stupidity as opposed to just leaping to a undeniably accurate, but um, frankly hurtful snap judgment. (laughs) Hey, I said obvious. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The thinking is Queen Victoria has, has has requested this command performance. Presumably these things take time to set up. And so you've got kind of all hands on deck. Okay. The research team. The prep team, they're, they've, you know, they're, they're, they're on top of this. They've got the research. They are, they are boning up in the case of skeletons, possibly literally on how Albert acts, how their relationship works, just everything they can to try to sell this piece. But weird stuff keeps happening. There's sort of, sort of strange noises in the night. Things keep going wrong. It's like they're being sabotaged. They're being helped, aren't they? Uh, no, they're being... Well, they're being deliberately hindered. Somebody is trying to stop them from doing this. Somebody keeps... You know, weird things keep happening to to delay the Queen, to... You know, it's just like somebody wants this to fail. The reason being that Albert is around as a ghost, mm. is still very much devoted to his wife, and doesn't want her coming to a vampire's stronghold. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I was thinking it was like maybe maybe I what I would, my angle was like like it's hardly the it's hardly the era faking uh, a bunch of undead creatures faking Prince Albert to Queen Victoria is probably not going to work. They don't the, the things they could research are, are relatively limited, especially someone's personal manner in private. That would be something that to getting hold of information about that would be very difficult. Even with the 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 afterlife to tap, it would be simpler just to get the guy the the, the, the man himself. But yeah, if he's not playing ball because he doesn't want to have anything to do with this because he's trying to keep his living wife out of the clutches of the vampire because he hasn't entirely figured out what's going on. I mean, it leads to the the potentially fun sort of comedy denouement of just bizarre three way shouting match between Victoria, who is pissed that this entire thing is fake. Albert, who is incredibly frustrated that he wasn't able to stop her from coming coming here. Lord Solomon and his crew are saying, we didn't want anything to do with this. We were just trying to not get outed as undead, so thanks a bunch, Albert. Um, <laughs> yeah, way for the undead solidarity, dick. Indeed. 
again, sis, I mean, you'd still want to go with the comedy thing, but probably with a more fiasco maybe doesn't feel quite right. You want something where you can have the shadowy figure who seems to be interrupting their plans. Because you basically want the undead to feel like they're being haunted, which is going to be a tough sell. Indeed, indeed. On the other hand, they are actually being haunted, so, yeah. Hmm, okay. They, that's a tricky one. Especially since it's kind of, you're working backwards from the final scene. That's always a bit of it's, a risk, yeah. Oh yeah, I you, you probably couldn't guarantee that. It would be the, you know, it would be a fantastic ending if you were just writing the damn thing as a novel. The chances of it arriving organically in a game, as you say, is almost nil. Mm. But it would be... It would be funny. Hmm. I was just setting up the complexity that, you know, there is somebody help or help or hinder. Maybe maybe the um, prince uh, the prince is trying to get through to actually get a message across, because this is his best chance. But, yeah, you know, but things keep going wrong. It's like, oh no, she doesn't like those sorts of those sorts of flowers or anything like that while well, they try okay how can we figure this out and they get, get people keep somebody keeps dropping these hints it's like did you do that <laughs> mm. Mm. yeah that's that, that's a fun one and yeah it would make i mean i, I do imagine the, the bizarre the bizarre mime thing of you know a, a, a particularly a particularly obnoxious gm making the players actually do that just to see how far you can stumble through a yes my dear, I am totally the ghost of Albert. No, no, you may not approach because it will knock the glowing dust off. Um. <laughs> yeah, sort of, Albert, your moustache has fallen off. Yes, that happens in the afterlife. Um, this sort of thing. Okay, and we had... I, I, I think we've kicked that one to death at this point. Mm-hmm. So, so the last bit, for a, a complete change of, of tack, we have a, a, a message that came in from Mac... Mac writes, Pardon the blast from the past, but re-listening to an old episode, this time I had an idea about one of the games discussed. In episode 113, Never Go Full Force on an Eclair, Sun, you discussed an audience idea from the previous episode, Volcano Day. This involved a team of time agents in something of a Groundhog Day situation, except the previous iteration of the team still being present and providing an extra obstacle since they couldn't interact with themselves. Ah, uh, it was the Vesuvius operation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There was a certain amount of agreement that the log- logistics would be daunting. My thought is to play the scenario in reverse. The GM starts with telling the players, your mission has failed four times previously, and four prior versions of your team are currently in the compound at locations W, X, Y, and Z. Now tell me, what stopped version four of you, and how are you going to fix it? The GM then runs the mini-adventures of them carrying out that plan. Once that su- they've succeeded, the toilets explode in all the executive washrooms, Team 5 is done and we go to Team 4. The maintenance tech who is uh, blocking your path and who, who you can't kill because he goes on to become a very important pro skater, gets a call on his walkie-talkie, looks panic, and sets off down a side corridor. Now, what stopped Team 3 and what were you doing to fix that problem when you were interrupted? Rinse and repeat until Team 1 does whatever the hell they were there to do in the first place. Obviously, this needs a very flexible group of players. There's still bugs to be worked out, and it kind of throws away the central conceit of the original idea of mimicking the death isn't an obstacle with time loop storyline. But that's what hmm. the discussion sparked in my mind this time around. 
and a comment of, I feel like the biggest nerd resurrecting something from almost two years ago, but I decided not to let that stop me. Well, I mean, yeah, we're the nerds who, who made the podcast about it, so I think we we count as possibly being bigger nerds in this one. The, the blame does not rest on you? I don't think it's a concern, ultimately. Mm. Uh, that is interesting. Yeah. The, the retrace your footsteps method of, of running that sort of, That's, that yeah. sort of wheeze. It means you can do it without needing a multi-dimensional tactical map. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, my, my, my thought on it was that from the, the, the perspective of an incredibly lazy GM, which I, I try to be wherever possible, you're not having to plan possibly anything. So sort of potentially when you've, you've sort of collapsed all the way down to the bottom of the chain, you are potentially asking team one, so... What were you actually here to do before the toilets exploded and the canteen announced free hot dogs and the motor pool had an oil spill and that guard on the front gate had a sudden attack of hay fever? Hmm. That could be the the, the actual thing. It's like, oh, no, we just have to walk out, press this button and, and go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it could have been something incredibly trivial. Or, yeah, we just need to rearrange some tags on some boxes. It'll be fine. <laughs> and it was yeah, it could be. all of this other crap that got in the way. Yeah. That... Again, you would need... You would need a, both GM and players who are sort of flexible enough in play style and, and, and approach to be able to do that. But that is a fantastic way of dealing with that kind of game. Yeah, I agree. They want to be completely enchanted with the idea of that kind of timey-wimey bullshit. But oh, there yeah. certainly are folks that are like that. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm right on board with, as it were, the timey-wimey bullshit. Yeah, so, cool. No, that's an interesting, an interesting solution for yes because the thing that you you accomplish there is that you can't you you are deliberately not wrong footing yourself going forward because if you play it backwards you get infinitely more complex but as you're reducing down that's i think it's probably a uh, good problem solving thing in in general maybe mm. so yeah pretty cool yeah it's the it's the only it's the only way of actually running that sort of game without the GM losing their mind that I've ever seen. Because <laughs> the multi-dimensional tack map would just, like... Well, it would be really, if you, were, if you were doing it, like, with a stopwatch and, you know, oh, you can't cross these lines of sights because you didn't see yourself then, it's just too easy to get yourself in a, um... Just, just checkmate yourself and get yourself into a bind. So, yep, this makes... That makes perfect sense for how you run back. I don't know where the suspense is. I guess the, the, the thing is how you finding out what the issue is and how you solve it from there. And hmm. you could possibly you could possibly take a leaf from the design approach of of something like gumshoe. With the notion that yeah, gumshoe kind of has the idea of these people are trained investigators, they're going to find the clues. That's that's not even an issue. They're not gonna miss something. So you maybe you maybe do it that way of just you know, these these people presumably know what they're doing and the game where as you say they get checkmated or 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 stymied isn't that much fun. So you assume that they're going to be be able to get the job done and it's it's sort of about the fun that they have along the way, hmm. the journey, not the destination. To go with a horrifying horrifying cliche, because presumably. Yeah, kind of, I mean, make, making all of the toilets in the um, executive wing explode, that sounds quite challenging. <laughs> Free hot dogs at the cafeteria, not so much, but blowing up a bunch of toilets on demand, 
That sounds tricky. Indeed. Yeah. It may, it may be an activity remembered throughout history. Mm. All right. So thank you very much, Mac. That's, yeah, I mean, not just awesome idea, that short of multiple levels of tack map acetate and, uh, and, and marking down timings, that's the only way of doing that sort of game I can actually imagine working. Hmm. And I, for one, would not want to be in a game where the GM sits down with a tactical map with multiple layers of marked up um, acetate for the different time zones. That sounds like just the opposite of fun right there. Um, so that, that, that reaches the end of, of anything we can claim to be content. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Uh, so I suppose what it now comes down to is, is announcing the winner of the poll for, uh, for the topic for episode 147. Uh, do you want you want to do the honours on this this um, auspicious occasion? Sure, can. Brave exponents of democracy, you have selected for the next episode from our very own co-host Craig. Oh shit! With this one of mine. <laughs> yes, indeed. From me to you, a free gift of soul dust. The way that free is sitting in the middle of that that bit. Makes me a little bit nervous, to be honest. I am wondering what it was a reference to. Dandruff, maybe? I, I got nothing. <clears throat> Not quite the same thing. Yeah, comes from the head. Yeah, okay, fair enough. I got nothing here. So, from me to you, a free gift of sold us, which is apparently my idea. Gotta hope I can come up with something for that, otherwise it's going to be really awkward. Uh, which means that we have a new contender for your voting pleasure. That sounded weird. As we encourage you to vote early and vote often for um, the options for episode 148. Starting with perennial non-favorite, X Kills Y. Followed by Life Cover, No Longer Required. Following hot on its heels and still phenomenally unpopular, Transformers, plus a thousand years. And a new one. Appropriate enough, another John Rhea suggestion. Uh, folks, other than John, feel free to suggest some topics. John has had a few of these, and I'm confident he'd be happy to share the limelight with with some other folks. But for this, uh, this suggestion, this was Space Hobos, with an interesting spelling which makes us think it's vaguely archaic. I, I Yeah, there was... The spelling is... H-O-B-B-O-E-S, which is an archaic spelling of hobos. I was wondering whether it was, in fact, space hobos, because I have heard people use hobo as a a reference to Tolkienian hobbits. Surely only Australian. That is alarmingly possible. (laughs) Because they're all all about their servos and... Oh, yeah. We're going down to Frio, but we'll go to the servo first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm not even joking. <laughs> so it might be a very, um, it might be a local dialect. We can't tell. But it gives plenty of possibilities, because if that's the case, then this is potentially a prompt that is about Australian space hobbits. There cannot be a game about that. Please yeah. tell me there is not a game about that. <laughs> if there is, it's technically Warhammer 40k. Oh, yeah. But also it's immediately followed by the, um, the space marine meme with brother get the flavor the heavy flavor yeah i say old chap that looks an awful lot like heresy 
Yes. So, um, there you go. A universe of possibilities. Indeed. A vast array of options. So, thank you for listening. Uh, We hope you've enjoyed the show. We hope if you haven't enjoyed the show, you'll inexplicably come back and listen to it next time. Good night or good morning, depending on where you are. And have a good one. Good night, everybody. Want to hear more of our shenanigans? Then go to hoarde.net and click on the button that looks like a couch. The Big Red Couch is released under Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 Unported from creativecommons.org. All music on the show comes from the album Universal Fluff Theory by Krakatoa. Visit them at krakatoa.com or follow the link from our page. See you next time.